You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hey there. You are listening to episode 39 of the Blended Family Podcast. Last week, I announced that I am working on a perspective series for the month of September. I can do it without you, but it would be so much better if you all participate. All you need to do is answer six short questions. It won't take you long at all. If you want to help me out, and I really hope you do, just email me at melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com with perspective in the subject line. I will then email you back with the questions. Don't worry if you forget my email. It's always in the show notes. Just click on my link there to email me if you can't do it right now. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that I'm noticing a trend in the emails that I'm getting from you. Of course, I get questions of all different kinds, but mostly it seems that you are all struggling with ex-wives. You can't imagine how many emails I get with the same general theme. It's funny that I get these mostly from women, but also some men. I rarely get any about a difficult ex-husband, and it really just made me think. It's actually one of the big reasons I want to do this series on perspective. For me, I'm both the stepmom and the ex-wife, so I play both roles, It helps me to be in both because I can truly understand both sides. And that helps me to keep my behavior in check. But you know, if you're struggling with this, you need to know that you are not alone, that it is extremely common. Other people are going through the exact same things. It may not make you feel any better in the moment. I know. But my point of doing this podcast is for this reason. So you all realize that this is a difficult journey, but it does have lots of rewards. If you really think you're alone, come over to the Facebook group where you will find other families going through similar situations. Again, that group is www.blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash group. Also, if you feel you want to vent or to rant even, you can call and leave a message for me to play on the show. I don't mind doing that so you can all see that you're not alone. Plus, it's a great way to get something off your chest. The only rule is no names and no profanity. You can share your name if you want, but no calling out anyone else. To get my voicemail, search speakpipe.com slash blendedfamilypodcast. You can also leave me a message about anything you want even if it's a question for me to answer on the show. Once again, the SpeakPipe link is in the show notes. Okay, today's topic is family contracts. Contracts can be used for many reasons. I think they work especially well in the blended family. This is because kids are usually living in between two homes, and as we know, rules can vary from home to home. And we talked in the past about it being okay to have these differing rules, depending on what they are. But some rules need to stay the same when we're talking about discipline 
or behavioral problems. So let me clarify. Rules that aren't very important to worry about are things like bedtime, snacking, or how much TV or gaming the child is allowed to use. Unless you have very strong reasons for rules around those things, you shouldn't worry about that. Yes, I know. It can be annoying when you try to keep a certain structure in your home and it's lost when they go to the other home. But we have to pick and choose our battles. More serious things like cell phone use, which we talked about in the social media show, or rules around school, or even driving rules need to be established. What's good about the contract is that everyone gets involved. Everyone knows what's expected, including the child. Once you lay the groundwork, discipline becomes easier because it will already be written in the contract. Now, does every child need a contract? No, some children are perfectly fine without ever needing to go this route. Contracts are for children who are working and manipulating the system, going back and forth from home to home, trying to manipulate their parents to get their way. Or children who have behavioral trouble and just can't seem to consistently follow the rules. Contracts are also helpful to hold parents accountable. Maybe the child is doing okay, but there's a parent who doesn't follow through with punishment. Contracts don't have to be a bad thing or a last resort. They can be helpful in so many situations. I'll tell you a funny story about my daughter. She's always been difficult. I've talked about that before. Um, Around the time she was eight, I think, we decided to implement our first contract with her. Yes, she has had more since. Anyway, we made it a very serious thing. I think it had to do with her behavior at school and her overall attitude. So my ex-husband came over and Sean and I were there and we all had typed up copies and we all signed them. About a week or two later, she said, mom, you know, that wasn't a real contract. So I just looked at her and I said, oh, why? And she said, because you didn't have a lawyer sign it. That child, she was a smarty pants even back then. So is this a binding contract? Of course not. But it is a set of guidelines that you expect. The most important thing to think about when you're writing up this contract is making sure that you can follow through on any disciplinary action it states if the child messes up. If one of the punishments is having the phone taken away, for instance, you need to be prepared to do that. Once you slip up, the child very quickly realizes that this contract is bogus. That's why I encourage you to make sure the other parent is on board. All parents that are involved in the child's life need to be on board. That way, when your child is not with you, they are still held accountable. You want to know who else this helps? The step-parents. Remember how I told you the bulk of the discipline must come from the bio-parent? There are exceptions to that, like if the step-parent has been around since the child was very young. But generally speaking, bio-parent is the one that should make the rules and enforce them most of the time. So what happens when bio-parent isn't home? Step-parent feels like they can't say anything. Well, now you have a contract. 
this helps the step parent who now doesn't really have to say anything except maybe a gentle reminder about the contract rules. This leaves the onus on the child. And contracts are great for the child. They will know exactly what the rules are and exactly what will happen if they break them. No longer will you have to argue with a child who screams at you, that's not fair. If they suffer a consequence, it will be from their own doing. It takes all the guesswork out of setting forth a punishment. Once you drop that contract, no more thinking. It's all written down. So let's talk about how to drop this contract. First, you need to decide what type of contract you need. Each child is different, therefore needs a different type of contract. This is not a one-size-fits-all. I don't know about you, but in my family, even though we are overall fair, we have to treat each child differently in the way that we discipline. We have two kids that we can't yell at or they'll be crushed, whereas the other two don't even give it a second thought. Do you notice this with your kids? Again, I'm not saying not to be fair. It's just that each child has a unique personality and they should be handled according to that personality. So let's go over some types of contracts and some examples of what you might put in there. The cell phone contract, which we have talked about before, is what I believe to be essential when giving your child a smartphone. Some things that you want to put in there are hours the phone is allowed or not allowed, rules of what apps are considered appropriate or inappropriate, and the apps that are deemed acceptable, you might have some rules surrounding that. For instance, you maybe will allow Snapchat or Instagram, but you might want to specify no nude photos or no bikini photos. Maybe you allow Facebook, but you want to let them know that they cannot block you or hide their posts. Of course, your child may say that you cannot go on and embarrass them on their social media site. You can add that into the contract if your child thinks it's necessary. We had a child who blocked Sean on Facebook because he was commenting on her posts. Nothing bad, but she got embarrassed. You know, kids, they get embarrassed easily with this stuff. Something that must be noted on the cell phone contract is that the parent has all passwords to all accounts. Some other things you might want to add are no sexting, no bullying, no talking to strangers. My most important rule, and you've heard me say this, is no phone in the bedroom at night. Get them an alarm clock and keep that phone out in the kitchen or the living room. This way they get the sleep that they need and they stay out of trouble. At the end of the contract, lay out what the punishment will be if they break the rules. On a cell phone contract, the punishment will usually relate to use of the phone, but it could be different. So if they're using an app in a way that's unacceptable, you might say they have to lose the privilege of using that specific app. Or you can limit cell phone usage. Always give them a specific time. Let them know how long that will last. Then you can say maybe after three times of breaking contract, hopefully that doesn't happen, but if it does, the phone will be pulled entirely for a specific length of time. Now, I found a really great printable contract today, actually, on joshship.com. He's another expert on dealing with teenagers. He's got a great site, and this contract is wonderful. I'll link to it in the show notes so you can go there later to print out your cell phone contract. 
but it's spelled J-O-S-H-S-H-I-P-P.com, joshship.com. Now, let's talk about a behavioral contract. This one can be done for young children or older, and it really is unnecessary until you are experiencing issues with the child. So if your child is developing behavioral trouble at school or at home, you might want to think about doing this one. This one is going to really vary depending on what sort of problems you're having. When kids are really young, consequence contracts aren't as effective as reward-type contracts, so keep that in mind. So for younger kids, you may have rules such as no hitting, no tantrums, no breaking things, no yelling. Older kids, you might have to put on their rules such as no profanity, no cutting, no sneaking out, no drug use, no drinking. If there are school issues, you can add in rules such as no cutting class or no disrespecting the teachers and no bullying. You don't need to put everything under the sun in here. Just focus on the areas where the child is struggling. Punishments for this type of contract are going to be different than the cell phone contract. Again, these are unique to the child. A punishment works best when something is taken away but must be something that the child values. If you have a TV watcher, you can limit or take away TV time. Same for video games. If your child is highly social, you can take away sleepover privileges or going out with their friends. Sending children to their room can be very ineffective, especially if they have a computer, TV, and a phone in there. So think about what your child would not want taken away. And don't forget to be very specific with these punishments. Another type of contract is a driving contract. The first time your child starts to drive would be a great time to implement this. It will teach your child to respect that car and respect the privilege of driving. Some things to consider for this one. No cell phone usage at all while driving is an important one. I still see kids and adults texting and driving every day. It's so dangerous, especially for new drivers who are less experienced. A rule that you might want is that they have to text you when they leave a location and maybe another text on arrival. They may not like this, but as a parent, it will help you to know where they last were if there is a situation. Obviously, no drinking and driving and seatbelts should be a must. You may want to add if there's a certain road you don't want them traveling on, like a busy highway, or if there's a distance limit on their driving. Some of these rules you may not be able to really monitor unless you have a tracking device on the car. Unfortunately, you may not know until something bad happens. So punishment on this one can be limiting car use, or at least for pleasure. You may not want to take the car away if it's used for work purposes. If they should get a ticket, you know, a speeding ticket or something, you might want to specify that they have to pay for that. This contract is really important. I think teenagers take for granted that they are driving a heavy piece of machinery that could kill them or someone else. They need to take driving seriously, and I I really think this contract could help them with that. And the last contract I want to talk about is more of a contract of chores, good behavior, or what is expected from the child. So 
This one can be used for any child that you are trying to help create some structure and boundaries. Especially in the blended family home, maybe you have a family coming together and you kind of want to set some groundwork for everybody. Now, this one, maybe they aren't necessarily misbehaving, but you still want them to know what type of behavior is expected in the home. So on this contract, you'll want to include things such as that homework needs to be done every day after school or specify what chores need to be done, like making their bed or keeping their room clean, maybe taking out a pet for a walk. If you do limit TV or video games, this is a good place to note that. And this is great because the child can't say they forgot to do their chores. They will be posted here for them to refer to every day. Punishments on this one may not need to be as severe on this contract. Here you might want to focus more on reward, especially for the younger ones, such as allowance or a trip for ice cream if they do everything expected of them that week. Older kids can suffer some more consequence if they break contract, like not having social time with friends that weekend. So now that we talked about specific kinds of contracts, I want to give you a few tips to help you successfully do this. The first is to include your child in the making of the contract. You can have them help you come up with appropriate punishments that you both feel are fair. And this really helps because if they break it, they can't get angry at the punishment. They can't say it isn't fair because they helped you come up with it. Also, including them in the whole process will make them more apt to follow it, I think. The next tip is to include your ex, if you have one. If your child is spending time at the other home, then that parent needs to be included in this. If not, the child feels that as long as they're not with you, they can do whatever they want. If you feel this person isn't going to cooperate, try it anyway. I'm sure that parent would want better behavior when the child is with them. Plus, this gets them off the hook as far as divvying out punishment. Make extra copies of the contract for their house. I know sometimes you can't get a parent on board. And in a case like that, you just do the best you can at your home. If the other parent is completely against you, there's not much you can do except let the child know that the rules stand at your home. And if you find out they break contract at the other home, that's still a violation of their contract. And I know that's, that's not fair to you, but someone has to step up and be a parent. So, uh, and the, another tip, make sure everyone signs the contract, including step-parents, parents, and the child. Then go ahead and hang that contract on the fridge or someplace very visible in the home. And last, and most important, be consistent and follow through. If you need to modify the contract, you can modify it by all sitting down and discussing why you're making a change to it. But once you have that contract, you really need to stick to it. You can't feel bad about following through, especially since the child was fully aware of what would happen if they violated contract. If the child finds a loophole, they will run with it. I promise you that. If you're not prepared to follow through, don't even bother doing this because the kids quickly pick up on whether this is so-called real or not. So do contracts work for every child? No, probably not. Many children do have really great results though. A lot of it really depends on how consistent you are with it. I've only given you some ideas to use. 
So make sure if you plan on doing this, you really think it through and cater it to your specific child. As we're gearing up for school to start, I think it's a great time to implement a contract. Are you going to try one? Or do you already use this method in your family? Let me know by commenting on the show notes or in our Facebook group at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. I hope today's show gave you some great ideas. And I am hoping to get lots of emails about my perspective series. Again, email me, melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com for the questions. Next week, I am going to be answering your questions on the show. Feel free always to email me any questions that you might have. And that's all for today. I hope you have a wonderful week. Two of our kids start school this week, so I will be busy. I will talk to you guys soon next week. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.